The Paul Leslie Hour, helping people tell their stories. And now, your host, Paul Leslie. Hey, it's me. How are you, friend? Thank you, as always, for joining us here on the Paul Leslie Hour. I really appreciate you making this decision to tune in. If you would like to support the Paul Leslie Hour, you are absolutely more than welcome to do so. Just go to patreon.com slash the Paul Leslie Hour. You can support the show from wherever you are. We are continuing our series on the band Little Feet. This is the sixth installment, and the guest is Fred Tackett. We recorded and broadcast this interview back in 2008. I interviewed all of the members of Little Feet, and Fred Tackett is a guitarist, mandolinist, a trumpeter, very talented individual. His association with Little Feet goes back to the very beginning. He was friends with the Little Feet founder, the late, great Lowell George. He was always a friend of the band, contributing session work and songwriting. In 1988, he became a full-time member of Little Feet. When you look at the artists he has recorded with, it's the best of the best. Everyone from Tom Waits, Ringo Starr, Jimmy Webb, Bob Dylan, the Allman Brothers Band, and he's also a solo artist. With the late Paul Barrere, he was in the duo Paul and Fred. I have to say, and it's maybe not such a good idea that I'm picking favorites here, but the Fred Tackett interview in the Little Feet series was one of the best. Let me know what you think. It is our pleasure to welcome Mr. Fred Tackett, solo artist, member of the duo Fred and Paul, and member of the legendary band Little Feet. Thank you for joining us. You're welcome. It's good to be talking to you. My pleasure, I assure you. I'd like to start by getting some of your beginnings. Where were you born? I was born in Little Rock, Arkansas. Went to high school in Little Rock, Arkansas, and went on down to uh, Texas to go to college in the 60s. Made it out to uh, California by 1967, in the summer of love. Basically uh, found in playing in Honolulu by Jimmy Webb, a songwriter who had written Up, Up, and Away in My Beautiful Balloon. And when he found me, he had just written MacArthur Park which was about to be recorded by Richard Harris and all that crazy stuff. This guy, guy Jimmy, who's like one of my best friends in the world, basically brought me into this uh, amazing scene going on in Hollywood in 1967, the Sunset Strip. Jimmy had taken over a former Philippine embassy right in the middle of Hollywood, this giant mansion with like 20 bedrooms in it, and he had brought a, you know, a rock and roll band together like just sort of like a reality TV show today. He found me in Honolulu and the other guys in his band from all over the place. We were all living in this house, practicing, and Jimmy was going to record us and all this. And the main thing that was going on was uh, there was this kind of a 24-hour day party going on in this house down in the public rooms all downstairs. And you would go downstairs and see just about anybody in town would be just, you know, the doors were open 24 hours and people would be coming in and out. You'd see Jimi Hendrix or Mitch Mitchell sleeping on a couch or Peter Tork barbecuing in the backyard or whatever. It just was uh, just a wild, wild time. And one night I came down and Lowell George was sitting in the middle of the living room floor all dressed in white playing the sitar. I introduced myself to him and he was studying at the Ravi Shankar's Canara School. 
And we became good friends. He was a friend of Jimmy's as well. And uh, we all like sort of hung out and played each other our songs. I was working for Jimmy, and Lowell, about two weeks after I met him, joined up with the Mothers of Invention, I guess, or a month or so. So uh, I was kind of watching him. Uh, he was coming over and, and showing us how he was putting together Little Feet. You know, Billy Payne came down from Northern California, and uh, Richie Hayward I was introduced to at a love-in in Griffith Park. So we were all just basically Hollywood hippies, you know, hanging out kind of a small town. Hollywood was kind of a small, especially back then, it was a small town. You kind of just would see David Crosby hanging out behind Greenblatt's, uh, you know, drugstore and stuff, uh, uh, liquor store, <laughs> Greenblatt's liquor store. <laughs> anyway, it was a cool time, man. It was a cool big party, and uh, that's how I met Billy and uh, Richie and then uh, Roy Estrada. Lowell put together that band. I was working with Jimmy. Eventually, he, Paul, and everybody else, and Kenny and Sam joined the band, and it became the seven-piece unit. And I kept on working basically with Jimmy for five or six years and was writing songs, and Lowell was writing songs. And, we, and of course, Jimmy was writing tons of hit songs. This is the Prince of Hollywood. I had written a song called Fool Yourself that uh, Lowell liked, and so he recorded it on uh, the, the uh, Dixie Chicken album, first cut on the second side. <laughs> and uh, That was how I kind of got involved with all those guys first of all as a songwriter and then uh, you know i would play uh guitar i think i played guitar on time love the hero and uh and i wrote uh, a song called be one now on the down and farm album and lowell and i wrote uh, a song called honest man for his solo record so my basic uh, introduction to all these guys was through lowell amazing stories there just speaking of Jimmy Webb, I think he's one of the greatest songwriters. What was your impression of him when you met him? He was 21 years old. and was like just this amazing guy. He came in. I was playing in a club. I thought he was a drug dealer. And he came in all dressed in white again. It was the Times in Honolulu. And he very cryptically said something to me like, I have something I'd like to talk to you about. Would you uh, call my hotel room after uh, you finish your work? And I thought, oh, man. And uh, I went over to meet him, and he turned and says, I'm Jimmy Webb, and I'm a songwriter. I went, I know you. You wrote By the Time I Get to Phoenix. was out right then. It was like a big hit. It was like real different kind of music. It was a song that had no chorus. It was never a, by the time I get to Phoenix, it was all verses. You know, the, the whole song was verses, and everybody was kind of going, oh, that's cool. So I, as soon as he said who he was, I went, oh, my God, yes, nice to meet you, blah, 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 blah. And then he laid it on me that he was trying to put together this band in Hollywood. The uh, Mamas and Papas had, had just announced their retirement, and he was trying to put together a band of guys that could sing and to kind of like step into that void, which we didn't. But uh, nevertheless, that's how I met him. So, yeah, he was a 21-year-old, uh, you know, genius. When I first came into um, from Honolulu and landed at the airport, I'll never forget this. They uh, picked me up and brought me to a studio where Jimmy was playing back the Fifth Dimension's new record, the follow-up to Up, Up, and Away, My Beautiful Balloon. Uh, and it was called The Magic Garden. It was a concept, psychedelic concept album. And it was just one of the most beautiful things I've ever heard about. And it's the first time I'd ever been in a real recording studio. So I walked in and here's like, you know, Hal Blaine and all these famous studio musicians all standing around and they're listening to this finished product, you know, and it was just the most amazing thing I'd ever heard. 
don't know if you've ever heard that record, but it's a really good, really good record. I was just blown away. <laughs> I was just blown away. I couldn't believe it. We'll have to play it on the show. You were mentioning earlier meeting the late Lowell George. What was your impression of him when you met him? I thought he was uh, Indian. He just looked all dressed in white with his black hair and, and his almond-shaped eyes. He looked like he was like an Indian guy, man, and he was like playing a sitar. I just, my first impression was just like this, this sitar guy, and it was like just uh, almost immediately after that, he totally changed and was like playing with the, I think he played in the Standells for a minute, and then he was in the Moses Invention. And I thought, who is this guy? You know? We're talking with Fred Tackett of Little Feet. Uh, Mr. Tackett, what kind of music influenced you early on? I started out, my father was a trumpet player, and my brother, older brother, is a trumpet player. So I was a trumpet player, and the first music I listened to was Dixieland music. I loved Dixieland music. And jazz, my father was a big jazz fan. So I grew up listening to Count Basie's band, stuff like that. I was telling somebody the other day, let's see, probably 1955-56, I think I was 10 years old or something like that. We went on a family vacation to uh, New York City, and one of the purposes to go in there was to go to Birdland. My father was being a jazz fan, my brother being a jazz fan. So we go to New York City, and we stayed in the Albert Hotel, which we didn't even, being from Little Rock, Arkansas, we didn't even know was like an infamous hotel at the time, but it was close to the club. So we stayed in the Albert Hotel. One night was Count Basie's band, and the next night with, uh, I think, George Shering was the uh, quartet was opening. The next night was Dizzy Gillespie's big band. It was just getting ready to go to uh, South America. So I saw these two amazing bands. There was used to be this guy named Pee Wee Marquette. He used to give all the introductions to Birdland. If you ever heard a live record, he'd be going, you know, from the jazz capital of the world, Birdland, you know. And, and he stood next to my table next to me the whole night. He kept saying, I was the youngest person to ever come into Birdland, which I don't really know if that's true or not, but he kept standing me and he would point out Lester Young. He'd say, see that guy over there? That's Lester Young. You said, that's the Pres. See that guy over there? You know, it was amazing. And I come back to Arkansas after that trip and I get home and Bill Haley and the Comets are all over the radio with See You Later Alligator and all that stuff and rock and roll had just come in and Jerry Lee Lewis. It's just rock and roll had just taken over everything. And I remember the funniest part about it was that, uh, they had a television show called the uh, Hit Parade, Lucky Strike Hit Parade, and they had uh, singers, and they would sing the, the big popular song when I left was How Much Is That Doggy in the Window, swear to God. <laughs> and uh, and you'd have, you know, you'd come on the TV, there'd be Smokey Lanson singing How Much Is That Doggy in the Window, you know, and everybody's singing along, it's very happy. And then, then all of a sudden rock and roll hit, and these guys who had, you know, didn't have a clue were, you know, they had like, Gazelle McKenzie going, see you later, alligator. It was just hysterical watching these people trying to like, to, watching the change happen in popular music with these people all trying to, what is this rock and roll stuff? So it was exciting. I wanted to talk a little bit about your solo album in a town like this. What made you decide to record a solo effort? I had spent many, many years working on other people's records all the time. And again, my friend Jimmy Webb, was also an inspiration because everybody you always knew his songs from, from Glenn Campbell cutting them and other people cutting them. I remember how it was sound when he would just sit in his room, in his house, and play the songs himself. And they were so incredibly soulful and everything. 
And my son, uh, Miles Tackett, who's uh, a wonderful uh, musician, guitarist, and cellist, bassist, has a band called the Breakestra here. He was kind of uh, putting a bug in my ear during a vacation trip back to Arkansas. We're kind of hanging out by the river, and he's going, you know, I've grown up listening to you play music, uh, the kind of music you play, and to write your songs and stuff like that, and the, uh, the really the only versions you hear of your music is like, uh, you know, like Littlefee's version of Fool Yourself and, and some other, like, little, you know, Jimmy did a, one of your songs and stuff, but there's no um, kind of uh, record of the way you played when you're just doing what you do, you know, when you do what you do, when you do what you do. You're always like a hired gun for somebody else doing what they want you to play, and you don't ever hear what you play, so... I think it would be neat, says my son, to have an oral scrapbook. Because we were there with my with my mom and his grandmother, and we were going through all these pictures of the family. And he was going, it would be cool if we had a music to play for the grandkids, you know, if we ever have any, that would uh, show what their grandfather, what his uh, music was like when he was in his natural state, you know, and we know what we grew up listening to and everything. So Miles kind of put the bug in my ear, and he produced the record. The idea was to just do something really simple, just guitar, a mandolin, and a uh, real good friend of mine named Dominic Genova, who I'd played with for years and years, came in to uh, play bass. And I hadn't seen him in about 12 years, so I got him you know, back together, and we renewed our friendship. And Because uh, I got kind of caught up with Little Feet. We were so busy that I just sort of like didn't have any kind of connection to my old days at all. So what happened was uh, I got Dominic and we uh, went through some of the songs were old songs and like uh, Honest Man that Paul and I had written a bunch of new songs like In a Town Like This, most of the songs on there. It was uh, basically just to kind of uh, do an oral scrapbook and kind of put down where I as an individual musician was and songwriter was at, the, at that moment. So that basically everybody that uh, when I'm long gone, my uh, you know great grandkid can say that's what great granddad sounded like when he played his little guitar. We're talking with Fred Tackett of Little Feet today. One of the songs that is on your solo album in a town like this, you co-wrote with Lowell George for his solo project. I'll eat right. it here, and that song is Honest Man. Could you tell us about writing that song? At the time that song was written, I had written the music. Everybody was really uh, excited about Alan Toussaint and uh, his uh, Southern Nights album. Everybody in Hollywood at the time was like, listen to that record, you know. Uh, Lowell cut, uh, What Do You Want the Girl to Do? As a matter of fact, I cut five different versions of that Alan Toussaint song, What Do You Want the Girl to Do? And none of them were hits, but everybody was just sure that that song was a, you know, a big hit song. If you just got the right version. Boss Gags did a version of it. Lowell did a version. So we were all loving Alan. And I had written this kind of music that was kind of a New Orleans, uh, Alan Toussaint kind of a groove that I thought. I gave it to Lowell. I'd been on vacation in Arkansas again, and I'd been to this cemetery, and I saw an old, an old cemetery in Washington, Arkansas, and I saw a tombstone that said, like, you know, John Jones, and it said, an honest man. And I went to, to Lowell, and I played this music. The chorus is, uh, honest man doing the best he can. And Lowell went and wrote all these great verses, you know, came back with it, and that's how we wrote it. Uh, you know, I wrote the music, and he wrote the words. Tell us about the title track in a town like this. That was also a, a Little Feet song. That was just a basic idea of a, two people from totally different backgrounds, one person being a kind of a, a evangelical rich person, 
in what you can find running around Arkansas. And another is a uh, the other person is like a uh, kind of a itinerant poor person, which you can also find in Arkansas. This guy is kind of a uh, drifter, just handyman kind of guy, and uh, he basically has a dream. I think someone had told me that they said they'd met their wife by uh, they just had a dream of this person was there, and they dreamed about him, and then they actually ended up seeing them, you know, and running across them, and the real. As improbable as it is, they get together, you know, and that's basically the premise of In a Town Like This. There's one song on the album that I think is really interesting. It's a cover song that you did called Gold Tooth Woman. My mother, back when I was in high school or junior high school, gave me a an LP of Tennessee Williams reading his works. One side was uh, excerpts from The Glass Menagerie, and the other side was uh, him reading these little short stories. One of them was called The Yellow Bird, which I wrote a tuba piece called The Yellow Bird. And uh, the other was three songs to be set to music. And one of them was just him reading the lyrics. You know, there's many cool things that a woman will do to catch a man's eye. She'll wear a light skirt, wear a tight shoe, catch a bag cold, and have a tooth pull for a tooth of gold. <laughs> you know, I saw that. I said, that's just perfect. Know, and I carried that song, that thing around with me forever. Said someday I'm going to like write some music, go along with this Tennessee Williams song. So when this project came up, I did it. I had to go through Tennessee Williams' estate and everything to uh, kind of get permission to uh, to work on it and everything. So basically, what I did was arrange it. I said someone else is, is the song's already written. Tennessee Williams wrote the song, so you can't write it with him. So I said, okay, I'm arranging it. So I arranged it. You know, so I, I put kind of basically my own music to his songs. Very interesting. My favorite song on the album. I absolutely love this song. Is Had We Known Better, and it features Inara George singing vocals on it. Tell us about uh, it. Regret. <laughs> yeah, she sang on that one. I just saw her a day before yesterday, and she has made an album with Van Dyke Parks, who is a ranger composer out of all of our histories that we all grew up with here in Hollywood, and an amazing lyricist. He did all of the the Smile record with, with Brian Wilson. And Anaris just uh, cut an album of uh, orchestra and her voice, which is just amazing. Her songs, which is her and the string. One regret I have about Lowell not being around is he didn't get to see uh, his daughter's uh, musical blossom. It's unbelievable. So we all feel like we have an extra responsibility to uh, to witness Anara for Lowell because uh, it's an amazing thing to see. She's She looks just like him in a lot of ways, except she's skinny. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, she's not at all like kind of burdened with the celebrity of her dad. She barely knows any of the songs, really. She has really cultivated her own thing, and it's not like she goes out and sings Little Food songs. She goes out and sings Lowell George songs that her father wrote or anything like that, man. She is not Lowell George Jr. at all, man. She's Anara George. Thank you very much. But it's amazing in the fact that her musical taste and eclecticism and all these things are things that her father would, uh, or she shares with her father. You performed and recorded with so many terrific artists. Bob Dylan, Tom Waits, Greg Allman, the Allman Brothers Band, Ringo Starr. I could go on all day. What has been the most memorable? Well, the Tom Waits Swordfish Trombones record, that record 
was uh, really, really exciting. We would go in there, and, and Tom would say, uh, this is a song about Saigon, so I want to get something that sounds oriental, called Shore Leave. It was about a guy on Shore Leave in Saigon, and I had this old harmony banjo that I was playing, trying to play like oriental music. There wasn't like any real, like normal drums. Victor Feldman, who's an amazing piano player, an amazing composer who wrote Seven Steps to Heaven, the Miles Davis classic song. He was like the percussionist on He had all these amazing things. He had this like wall, like it looked like a metal fence that had like cans on each pole of the fence. And you would just grab each one of these poles and, and rails and, and shake them. And these cans would make all this noise. I mean, just amazing things that he had, some of them he had just made and invented. And uh, the whole record was like that. When we did that song, 16 Shells from a 30-06, I was playing a Gin Soap Boy. I was playing a slide guitar with a piece of a microphone. You know, <laughs> it was just all like sort of improvised at the moment. Playing things back was playing my guitar, uh, Les Paul, with a car key. You get a really nasty sound out of it. That was one of my most memorable projects. Also, uh, working on the uh, Boz Skag Silk Degrees record was, was a real lot of fun. That was one of those records that, that you played, and each song just came together real naturally, and you knew it was going to be a big hit. It was cool because David Page and Jeff Bacar, all the guys who would later be in Toto, who are all good friends of ours, Billy produced one of their records. They were all, you know, excellent friends. And so they were all on that record, and it was before Toto was formed. So uh, Luther was still in high school. So that was another really memorable project. Of course, working on Bob Dylan's The Saved album down in Muscle Shoals, Alabama, was really memorable because it was old school. We just were on tour playing all these songs that were on the Saved album, which were all gospel songs. That, you know, Bob was doing this tour with, we weren't playing any of his old songs. We were only playing new songs that nobody heard and, and a few songs off of uh, Slow Train Coming. You know, it was really wild, you know. There was people holding up signs that said, Jesus loves your old songs, too, <laughs> you know, and things like that. So it was wild, and we just pulled our bus into Muscle Shoals like the old days of Ray Charles' band. We just sort of pulled in, checked into a Holiday Inn, and went into the studio, and, and uh, two or three days laid down all these tracks, got back on the bus, and went on down the road to the next gig. And Bob said, uh, you know, send me a copy when it's mixed. So that was exciting. I'd never made a record like that before. I'd always been involved with month-long projects, or in the case of Lowell, like two or three years, you know, working on a Lowell solo project and things. But if you go in with Bob Dylan and walk in and say, play the blues, get back on the bus, let's go. Working with him was always very exciting and always very memorable. Great stories. Our special guest is Fred Tackett of Little Feet. I wanted to talk a little bit about the new record from Little Feet. Do you have a favorite cut from Join the Band? I couldn't say that I have a favorite one. I know that I really like the Dave Matthews version of uh, Fat Man in the Bathtub. I like Something in the Water with Bob Seger. I think it's a real rocker. You know, I think it's a great Bob Seger song. I mean, it's a great Little Feet Bob Seger collaboration. But uh, the Fat Man in the Bathtub is like uh, really, really special, I think. What is it you like about music? I like the escape. It's like magic. I think music is the closest thing to have magic that is not a trick. Music is actually magic. You know, it affects people. I mean, you play something, these sounds, and these sounds actually affect people and actually cause things to happen, cause change or 
or I give illusions of this or that or the other. I mean, music is absolute magic, and that's why I love it. Because I mean, it's the only thing that I've ever known about or perceived that actually was supernatural. <laughs> I guess it's natural because it's the overtone series, and it's all explained by physics. But you take those tones and you add some the English language or whatever language you're talking in and singing in, and uh, the combination. I mean, it's just it's magic. That's all. We did an interview with Ralph McDonald where he talked about songs and music as almost being alive in and of themselves. They are. I mean, uh, Van Morrison talks about writing songs. He says they're all up there in the ether, and, they, and you just pull one down. You know, you're like it's like a transmitter. You kind of sit there, and and one comes down, pipe to you. <laughs> and I heard somebody. I heard Arnold Guthrie basically saying the same thing, and he kept saying. Why does the you know why do mine come down and I get this one and Bob Dylan gets that one? You know I just want to know why he gets that one and I guess what I got. But uh, you know it is like that. I really enjoyed this interview. I have two final questions. What is your all-time favorite meal? Gee, I don't so many good meals because my wife's an amazing cook. Oh gosh. I don't, you know, right now my most fantastic meal would be uh, the one we had the other day, and I think it was Norway. We just came back from a trip to Norway, and we had some fine Norwegian salmon and some uh, great vegetables, and it was extremely expensive, and we had some lingonberries. <laughs> it was extremely good. I don't know if the money goes now. I'm pretty much a vegetarian, but I did because I was in Norway. Go ahead and sacrifice a salmon, you know. <laughs> but uh, I figured I was just gonna have to do it since I was there, and it was really good. But gosh, I don't know. You know, to me now, it's gotten to be where for where food is like fuel, and I get to this whole thing about pleasing your tongue. I mean, when you have this great meal, what you're basically doing is is entertaining your tongue. It really doesn't get past that because after, once it gets past your tongue, it's going into your stomach and all that, and it just goes on with it. So basically, you're entertaining your tongue, and I'm trying to get myself to where I'm looking for fuel rather than entertaining my tongue. Well, my final question for Mr. Fred Tackett of Little Feet and the duo Fred and Paul, this program is going out all over the world, and Little Feet has fans from all over the world. So what would you like to say to the world? What would you like to say to all those people listening in? Well, I'd like to say thank you for listening to our music and thank you for allowing us to live the uh, amazing life that we've all been able to live thanks to people listening and buying and supporting our music. And so uh, we certainly wouldn't do it without all these people all over the world. It's a wonderful community of fans. We just came back, like I said, from a tour of Europe where we played in Germany and all over England and all over the North countries, Holland and Norway, Denmark, Finland. And everywhere we would go, we'd run across Little Feet fans, you know, and they'd say, we're the greatest Little Feet fans in Germany and this, <laughs> you know, this and that. My wife and I make these little videos, diary of, uh, of the band while we're on tour and we put them up on YouTube on a, on a channel called Little Feet Channel. It's all one word, Little Feet Channel. And we have a video up there now that's uh, the first few days of our tour. There's some German fans there that are, you know, exclaiming that, you know, we are the greatest fans in Germany and we love Little Feet. And it's just 
wonderful to go to these places and meet all these different people. You have this common love of music and their love of what we do, you know, which is extremely gratifying, you know, to to travel to a far corner of the world and uh, and in Little Feet has done USO shows in Kuwait and in Kosovo and uh, be in the middle of Kosovo and, and see military personnel from Arkansas come up and say, hey, man, you know, love to listen to you guys' music and blah, blah, blah. Thanks for coming over here. And it's just it's a wonderful community, and I'd like to say thank you to everybody all over the world. Ladies and gentlemen, Fred Tackett, thank you so much for the interview. You're welcome, man. I appreciate it. bop, bop, dealy, bop, bop. Goodbye.